The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Hugh Cathy. Hugh has 20-plus years of senior leadership experience managing all corporate functions while guiding rapid revenue growth in the companies he's led. Since forming his current company, Columbus Partners, in 2003, he's implemented strategies with clients ranging from a million to $150 million in annual revenue. Clients are in several industry sectors, marketing services, healthcare, manufacturing, IT, and software. He's completed M&A activities for these companies, as well as raising capital for growth. In 2003, Hugh served as the president of Quest Communications. Uh, He helped them move from startup in 2000 through 2003, growing to over $200 million in revenue within two years. From early 96 to January of 2000, he served as the president of NextLink Communication, a telecom company now known as Exo Communications. Its revenues are over a billion dollars and has more than 5,500 employees. Hugh also serves on several board of directors throughout the country, including public, private comp- public and private companies and large nonprofit organizations. In fact, Hugh is the board president of one of our prior guests for Meals on Wheels, and um, Chuck Gehring was the guest, their CEO. So the, my goal as the host of this show is I want to provide valuable information to current leaders, senior leaders, and emerging leaders that will help them continue to update their leadership skills. And we've talked about the rate of change, technology change over the next century being 20,000 times more than it was before. With that volume of change, as leaders, it is our responsibility to continue to update our leadership algorithm at the same rate as the changes that are happening around us. And it's my goal to share information from leading edge leaders like you and also thought leaders and people who share tools and techniques. And the intent behind that is to provide you as the listener information that will help you continually update your leadership skills. So I hope you walk away with something from Hugh today that you will try out over the next week or two and implement within your own leadership style. While you, while you may not be scaling companies for exit, you are leading organizations, either companies or different parts of your life. So today we're going to talk about how Hugh has developed his own unique leadership niche, as well as what he does to scale companies to prepare them for profitable exit. So his 
superpower, if you were, is the the ability to raise money and scale. And he has profitably exited several companies that I know of personally and probably some that I don't. So let's go over to Hugh. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Thank you, Maureen. Um, as I've looked at my career since you and I first started talking about doing this show, I've tried to distill my thinking about the tools that I've acquired. And it has struck me that in all the conversations that you and I have had about effective leadership, it's, it, it has occurred to me that it's built, it's a science, it doesn't just happen. Uh, effective leaders have to learn how to be leaders. And so as I've reflected back on my career, I arrived at some of the most important learning moments that I had that really taught me what kind of leader I wanted mm -hmm. to be and mm -hmm. then how do I become that leader. Uh, for me, it began with uh, education at my first employer years ago, AT&T, large telecommunications company. In those days, when you went to work for AT&T, you were not even allowed to talk to a customer unless you've had six months of training, not just technical training, but you know, how do you deal with people, uh, interpersonal skills? How do you get a potential customer to become a live customer? How do you get the people that work for you and around you to help you achieve the organization's mm -hmm. objectives? Uh, so those training uh, classes that I went through at AT&T were regular. They were regimented. Uh, every year you had to devote six weeks to classroom training at AT&T University out mm -hmm. in Denver. And it covered everything from learning how to look at a profit and loss statement, balance sheet, and really understand what that was telling you about a company. Uh, one of the great classes I had was called Keeping the Monkey Off Your Back, which meant when your employees come in and bring you problems, how do you let them leave with the problem <laughs> and an answer to the problem? Uh, most of the business leaders that I work with uh, categorize their problem areas into uh, not enough revenue, revenue not growing fast enough, and people issues. And the people issues are really the most critical ones. And those are the ones that respond most effectively to outstanding leadership. So as I look at my leadership style, it's very collaborative. Um, it is very much along the lines of mistakes have to be made in order to learn how to do things right. Mm -hmm. uh, it means that people uh, have to be led. They can't be pushed. It means that people have to have their say. They may not get their way, but they ab everybody gets to have their say. Well, you certainly want them to be thinking and have a voice. Exactly, exactly. And they have to be clear on what the goals and objectives are of the organization. Mm -hmm. I used to say that the uh, person that w held the lowest level position in the hierarchy had to be, at, be able to be at a party and tell strangers they meet what they did for a living, what the company was about, and what its goals and objectives were. So I've always carried forward the training that I got early on mm -hmm. in my career at AT&T into the smaller companies that I've started and led and uh, or companies where I've gone in and consult uh, with the CEO on how they can help their organization thrive. Seems amazing and not so common now to get six weeks of training a year. Oh, well today, and I understand how this works, employees are not 
really looking to spend their entire career at one company. When I went to work for AT&T in 1980, mid-80s, um, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, you were at AT&T and I was at Burroughs before <laughs> yes, Unisys. <laughs> yes. And back then, people thought about working their entire careers yeah. at one company. And at AT&T, there was a saying that you couldn't hire senior executives in from the outside. They wouldn't know the company and the culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you had to train them to be what you wanted mm -hmm. them to be. Today, and I, again, I totally understand this, people are looking to leverage their skills and coincidentally their incomes typically by moving from company to company and going up the ladder that way. What that means is companies won't invest six weeks out of every mm -hmm. year in training people. And while I get it, it's kind of a shame that there isn't mm -hmm. some sort of a middle ground that can be achieved by training people to do the jobs. You know, don't throw a manager who, because a salesperson is a great salesperson, that doesn't mean they're a great sales manager. Mm -hmm. Everybody's heard that aphorism, but right. but it's true. It, mm -hmm. it really is true. Well, and it it now shifts the burden for development onto the employee. So I want to become a good leader. I have to go figure out how to make that happen. For some, it's going to an MBA school. For others, it's hopefully listening to this radio show. <laughs> That's true. Um, and that takes a level of awareness that not every young business person has. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way they become aware of it is, in all seriousness, by availing themselves of public media events mm -hmm. such as this uh, show to help them understand that the way to love what you do for a living mm -hmm. is to learn how to do it well. And that sounds mm -hmm. real simple, but if people grasp that, then they'll figure out that, mm -hmm. well, I need to understand the elements of my job more at a more granular mm -hmm. level so I can do my job better. And, and it's not just to get more money. It's to achieve satisfaction in what you're mm -hmm. doing. So what's most satisfying about what you do? What lights you up when you get out of bed in the morning? I, th I think um, this is going to sound very Pollyanna-ish, but seeing a mid-sized company of 50 or $100 million a year in revenue have the leadership realize that the old ways of managing people um, have led them to where they are today. So if they're mm -hmm. not happy with their growth, if they're not happy with their products, if they're not happy with some element of the business – First, look to your people, not to criticize or blame your people, but to figure out how do I make all of my soldiers more effective soldiers. Mm -hmm. uh, military leaders do that all the time. That's mm -hmm. why the United States has a superior military organization because they train, they recognize the need for that, and they execute on that. Well, and they have a huge infrastructure and investment in training. True. True. But that becomes what I, as you said, really lights mm -hmm. me up. When I see a company start to do better by a financial metric mm -hmm. and then be able to trace it back to the fact that this group of software developers or that group of salespeople or this group of operations people are getting their jobs better mm -hmm. and getting better at their jobs. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I know about you or I think I know about you is you are masterful at selecting good leaders. Uh, in fact, we've had some of the CEOs who've interviewed on our show are people that I've met through you. Yes. Um, so Mike Sayer and Chuck Gehring being two that come to mind. 
What are you looking for when you identify someone like them? What qualities? The uh, hands-down number one quality is character. Um, Mm -hmm. People who do what they say they're going to do. People who genuinely care about other Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the executives that you and I know uh, never go (laughs) a week without a text or a call or something. Mm -hmm. Check in, just checking in. How are you doing? You know, I care about you is what I hear when they mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are the people that other people love to work for mm-hmm. because everybody wants to be cared about. And when you can take your uh, internal character and project it into somebody's view as being caring about them, they are just going to blossom. So I look for that character. Uh, smarts is a given. I mean, the, the, yeah, you don't it, hire dumb ones. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah, don't <laughs> hire dumb people. Um, the uh, so the character uh, issue is is uh, clear. Um, simple things: returning every phone call. I, I always return every phone call I get, even if it's a solicitation, to tell them mm. not to call me again or whatever. But return every phone call. Return every email. Communicate with people. Um, That's a big one for me. People not responding is is. A bit of a hot button. Yes. And and especially people in my personal life. Yes. Yes. And there's typically no reason for it. Everybody's busy. We're all busy. Yeah, everybody's busy. Um, So that that issue of, you know, do what you say you're going to do, starting with character, do what you say you're going to do, reach out to people, check in with people, foster your network. I Mm -hmm. mean, we all have networks of people. And and that's the biggest asset right now for many of us. You wouldn't do what you're doing without a good network. Oh, really? And and where we live in central Ohio, it makes it particularly easy. You and I have talked about the fact mm-hmm. that nobody in Columbus is more than two phone calls away. So certainly somebody you know, there's no mm-hmm. reason that you can't be reaching out uh, frequently. And also if you're a dope, people know it. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> there is no hiding that's right. bad behavior. That's right. That, that's the downside of being connected. That's true. So um, – so, again, what it is that I'm looking for in those great leaders are those uh, the, the, the character, the responsiveness, the uh, reaching out and mm-hmm. letting people know that they care about them, um, and, the, and the, the core intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the kind of the key ingredients mm-hmm. that you can mold into great leadership. You know, it's interesting because I'm teaching leadership both at the undergrad and graduate level. Often students sign up for the class looking for the book, and and I have plenty of books, but the books aren't the checklist, right? right? It's not do this kind of an agenda for a meeting and return phone calls in 24 hours. I mean, those are things I take as a given. I don't teach it in a class. What we really talk about in class is building character, right? identifying my character. Mike Sayer specifically often talks in, in my classes because I think he's a man of very positive character and just a beautiful role model. And maybe what lights me up is is reading a student journal who, that's saying, I think what I need to improve on is, I thought it was the external stuff, the tasks. And what I really need to do is learn how to listen better, learn how to communicate better, build empathy, be more connected to the people with whom I'm working. It's just exciting to for people to shift that it's just a thing I do, like returning email, versus it is foundational about who I am and 
once we get that, then we can learn the tasks. Tasks Absolutely. are easy. Absolutely. And, you know, what you and I are saying is that uh, achieving that level of effective leadership is not really difficult because there are role, there are role models mm-hmm. for it. And certainly all of the other um, textual material that mm-hmm. is available about leadership is important because it helps broaden your thinking. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. It's, it's, so it's a combination of these things. But at the end of the day, it's no more complex to achieve that level of effective leadership than be paying attention to it. Be thinking it about is and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Self-awareness is the first part, but it's hard work to realize I've been a real dope and now I've got to stop doing those things. Yeah. That's true. Become That's true. more aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, become more kind and gracious. Yeah. I can't run around yelling at people when I'm angry. I learn to manage that stuff because it's not helpful. <laughs> well, some of it is forming the right kind of habits. Yeah, um, a lot of it is. And, you know, your comment about yelling at people. I mean, you and I both know leaders in our community who are known for having very volatile personalities. And... Checking. Those people, it's hard for them to change. <laughs> it, it's very hard for them to change. You and I have worked with some of them. <laughs> um, and, um, but forming the right kind of habit. Yeah. Uh, I just, I will not accept that people cannot learn mm. to not yell or be rude or mm-hmm. abrupt. I, I worked for somebody in a very large company who threw things. Yeah, me too. <laughs> that and, was early in the computer days. <laughs> trash cans and and uh, and while he was for you know a few years the leader of a very large company, mm-hmm. uh, he but then uh, he wasn't. Then he wasn't. <laughs> yes, and so um, I so I believe that there's a certain amount of forming the right kind yeah. of of habit is so effective. And, and I'm not sure people recognize. How foundational, because they'll look at that guy, and I can think of some even local companies where it's in the news that, that their senior executives misbehave, what I would call misbehave. Right. Um, and they're senior executives, and they're making a boatload of money. And so it's not surprising that our, our emerging leaders look up the ladder and see that person sitting on top, and they think it's okay. And so hopefully part of the message is it's not okay. Long term, it doesn't work. You can't sustain the kind of growth that you do and behave that way. You know, my father, um, hands down, the biggest influence in my life was uh, my dad. And he talked about the fact that when you said, when you made a statement about something, Mm -hmm. you were responsible for the type of people that were hearing what you said Mm. and how they might interpret it. Mm -hmm. And my dad was a World War II pilot. So brave man, mm-hmm. a very command and control kind of guy, mm-hmm. but yet exhibited enormous compassion mm-hmm. um, in his leadership roles uh, as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. over many companies. And what you found was that people worked for him for years and years and years because they loved him. And mm-hmm. I believe that even in large companies, you can have that kind of, let's call it adoration, um, mm-hmm. towards the leader and that helps people want to do better because they, mm-hmm. they, they they are led by somebody who's magnificent. I've been reading some of the um, uh, the series of books, uh, uh, Killing Reagan, Killing Patton, and so mm. forth by the author mm-hmm. Bill O'Reilly. And one of the interesting things about these larger-than-life people mm-hmm. is that they had all kinds of failures about mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. 
but they had all kinds of successes. And the successes, you could see, very much drove to the ability to lead with compassion and, and make people feel good and to be aware that when you were saying things that you were cognizant of the impact it had on mm-hmm. other people. That's what my Yeah, yeah. So let's go to break with that comment. And I want to summarize it because I think it's absolutely foundational is the idea that I can be kind and compassionate and still make all of the tough calls I need to make, right? It's not being a wimpy, do-nothing, hand-holdy, kumbaya leader. It's I understand my people. I, I treat them as valuable human beings, contributors to my team. I, uh, we talk about the organizational vibrancy framework, and, and that framework really talks about how to create an environment where people feel valued, and yet we also, I value working for a leader who's going to keep us in business, right? <laughs> Not just a nice guy, right. <laughs> a guy who's right. going to make sure my paycheck is an option long term. <laughs> Good, <point. laughs> right? Good point. So we're going to go to break. This is Hugh Cathy and Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. So welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf and Hugh Cathy, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Hugh's focus is helping companies scale for profitable exit, and we're talking about leadership because it's so foundational to the the ability to especially scale companies. Investors invest based on the quality of leadership, especially in an entrepreneurial organization. And, and so during break, we were talking about not only building good habits, but keeping them. I mean, because we all have times of stress and can fall, just get distracted. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Okay. Um, years ago, well, let me back up. Uh, I go through periods of reading every business book I can find, <laughs> and then I go three years and I read junk Nothing. novels, <laughs> and then I go back and start reading. But <clears throat> probably 15, maybe 20 years ago, I read Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm-hmm. People. Yep. Me and, too. <laughs> and it was a great book. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the of the uh, bullet list of those seven habits, one of them that I, that I refer to, and this is why I go back and reread mm-hmm. these books mm-hmm. – uh, is the habit of sharpening the saw. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we have to go back and we have to exercise our, exercise our skill and check to make sure that we're still doing it. And when you and I have our conversations over coffee, it often makes me stop and think, how long has it been since I have deliberately exercised my skill at one thing or another? And then write a sticky note. I've got sticky notes everywhere. That <laughs> I'm imagining you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the bathroom mirror. And, you know. uh, but you can see your walls, right? <laughs> yeah, I can see my walls, okay. yeah. And, um, and it's, you know, practice this, mm. practice that. And, and it will just, and it'll stay up there for, you know, three mm-hmm. or four or five mm-hmm. days or six days. And then I take it down because I feel like I've refreshed mm-hmm. myself on the habit of returning phone calls promptly or being a little bit more kind in times of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been through business situations that were highly stressful, and um, it has been important for me to understand that that's stressful for me and my business partner, but it's not so stressful for everybody else I'm talking to. So I need to keep in mind the fact that, you know, mm-hmm. my stress is my stress. I don't need <laughs> to project it onto other people. Because it is contagious. Concern. It can be. And bad behavior is contagious. Yes. That's yes. the thing that's interesting. We, Again, these are things we just don't talk about. And yet, if I'm having a bad day and start sniping at people, it's really important. For me personally, it's really important to have practices that – and one of them is – shut up, Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> Do not speak when you're not feeling well. <laughs> that, that that mantra goes through my head more often than I would admit. But it's important. It is. Uh, another example that my father set uh, for us um, was a level of calmness in family dinners mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, he, uh, he, we weren't allowed to yell at each other. Uh, and it was bec- it wasn't because of that particular incident of yelling at my brother because he, you know, took something out of my bedroom. It was because it fostered behaviors uh, that uh, my dad had come to recognize as a military leader 
that were negative. Mm-hmm. And it flowed, as you said, it will flow down through your mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to be very cautious and, and think about that. So one of the things I often have to practice is serenity and mm-hmm. maintaining a sense of calm, when, particularly when things are stressful. You know, it's interesting. We bo- both grew up with military dads who faced real life-threatening stuff. Right. And for me, my dramas feel life-threatening. Mm-hmm. But truthfully, nobody's going to kill me. Right. At least <laughs> not currently. <laughs> There's nothing I'm doing that's going to – that invokes the kind of experiences that, that our dads had. Right. It, um, yours in World War II, mine in Vietnam. And – I remember having a, I worked for um, military clients for a while, and one of my clients came in and I, I asked how his day was, and he said, nobody's shooting at me today. It's not a good day, <laughs> but nobody's shooting at me. <laughs> I, and that sense of perspective that most of the stuff that goes wrong while our physiology reacts with fight and flight hormones and all of that stuff, we're really going to be just fine. It's annoying, it's frustrating, embarrassing, but not life-ending. And if it's not life-ending, mostly we recover from it. We do. We do. And, you know, if we look back on our business experiences over the last, you know, 20 years or so, everything that I worried about and stressed about ended up, by and large, pretty good. And um, and I'm still here, and people still call me to help with mm-hmm. their businesses. So even the some of the failures uh, don't take it off the rails. I think a lot of it is... Just you know how you handle yourself in the in the in the eyes or in the uh, in the presence of failure. Uh, how you handle yourself becomes how people really think about you. If you've just won the lottery, you know it's sure. easy to be nice. Yeah, it's easy to be <laughs> nice. But if you've faced through you know catastrophic business mm-hmm. reversals and so forth, and people mm-hmm. see that you've kept your calm and 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 so forth, then it makes them more comfortable even discussing it mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with you. You know, it's interesting. We were having a conversation yesterday about somebody setting a high bar. And the question is, if I set a high bar, are people going to try to clear it? Or are they going to think it's limbo and try to go under it? (laughs) 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 And my hope is, (laughs) over is the objective. (laughs) Not it's high enough that you can walk comfortably underneath. You know, uh, that's interesting when you talk about setting high bars. You know how they train dolphins and so forth to mm-hmm. jump through the hoops yeah. at SeaWorld is the hoops are underwater and oh. they teach them to swim through them and then they gradually raise the hoops up until they're out of the water mm-hmm. higher and higher. And that learned behavior of going okay. through the hoop, doesn't matter how high it is, within hmm. physical right, reason, right. Uh, uh, doesn't matter how high that hoop is raised, they will still go through it. And I think people in some ways are like that. You know, if you teach them how to get through from point A to point mm-hmm. B, and then just, as you said, raise the bar bit by bit. Mm-hmm. You can't raise it all the way the first time, <clears throat> but take them through uh, and and do it carefully. The first time I wrote bungee jumping was out in Arizona, and this guy had a really great way of, of, of teaching it. He had a short little jump. It was about mm-hmm. 20 feet on this exp- uh, stretchy rope mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there was water underneath it so you could land in the water it wouldn't even hurt you mm-hmm. and he had three that led up to going mm. off the side of a bridge and the guy was always his business was always packed hmm. uh and because typically i would not just 
You would have jumped off a bridge. I wouldn't have <laughs> jumped off a bridge. Uh, but, you know, he kind of raised the bar mm-hmm. on me. And I, and I think, you know, businesses, uh, life is like that. You know, but yeah. business is certainly like that. Well, and again, just summarizing your points as we go through, that certainly most of us try to avoid failure because it feels bad. And yet our biggest growth often comes from that failure. And so as I talk about the leadership of the future, the idea that I go from command and control that we grew up with to uh, what I call the mind of a scientist. So I can't be in control. I've got to be good at formulating a hypothesis, try stuff that I haven't done before, measure it, and continue to improve. So built into that is the idea that I have to get comfortable making mistakes. Now, again, good scientists are living scientists, not dead scientists. <laughs> I, I don't blow myself up. But that acumen for probably as humans, we're wired to want to stay safe. And so we're doing something that is physiologically unnatural and building habits. It's why I talk about it at the beginning of each show. Try something new. You know, that is such an interesting comment because I have a, uh, a counselor that is my personal counselor. That, and what I mean when I say that is this is a person uh, who is not a business person mm-hmm. uh, that I talk to regularly. And I have – this is kind of my secret weapon. Uh, she is absolutely amazing. And her question to me often is when I tell her about some business situation, mm-hmm. she'll say, what does it feel like to be you when that's going on? Mm. And it, it, it is the best question. And I'm not good enough yet at asking myself the question. And frankly, mm-hmm. it's helpful to have somebody else uh, yeah. who's interested uh, ask that question. Because that's the root of where you're going to be going in dealing with this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, your talk, you spoke about, uh, you know, we, we are conditioned, we're bred to try and avoid pain. Mm-hmm. And one way of overcoming these issues that may create pain is to think about and talk about what does it feel like to be me and, and it has to be out loud i don't think it's mm-hmm. enough to just think it i think I think you need to say the mm-hmm. words what does it feel like to be me or what does it feel like to be you when that happens and then check you for honesty you know mm-hmm. being honest in your, mm-hmm. in, in your answer with me and that that's one of those little secret weapons uh, for me you know, it's interesting because probably you and I didn't grow up talking about feelings. Right. <laughs> First time I had a therapist talk, ask me about feelings, and I, I didn't even have words. I, I think I went to I think. <laughs> and she's like, no, feel. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even, I don't have feelings. <laughs> and yet, again, in, in the most effective leaders, not that we've turned to touchy-feely and soft, but that I can use my feelings as yet another skill, sense. Yes. And it it sets me apart as more effective, not soft and squishy. And in, in, in answering that question, it also helps you think about what does it feel like to be the other person when I yell at them, uh, when they fail at a project mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or whatever, to ask myself, what does it feel like to be Bob or Mary mm-hmm. right then. And when you ask yourself that and you answer it honestly, mm-hmm. and for me, I do it out yeah. loud, uh, usually when I'm by myself, <laughs> <laughs> because it's odd to do it in public, uh, then it gives me additional insight uh, into them and helps shape mm-hmm. 
what kind of leadership approach I'm going to use to help them achieve whatever the Mm -hmm. issue was. Yeah, so again, you started with differentiators in your career and things people are looking for, people and money. Yes. And so you've talked about different skills starting at AT AT&T through current with your advisor talking about how how does that feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, these are things we just aren't taught. We didn't grow up with. Our society, when you and I were starting working, didn't even have a word for emotional intelligence. True. wasn't a thing. True. Or it wasn't a thing talked about anyway. True. And there had to have been leaders back then that exhibited it. Mm -hmm. And I guess it just hadn't been codified in a way that it could be taught to others. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe they had a parent or some other relationship Mm -hmm. that helped them Mm -hmm. uh, internalize and, and, and be that way. But uh, I think that's one of the huge advantages of all of us living in the time that we're living Mm -hmm. now is there was so much more awareness Mm -hmm. about the fact that if you can ask yourself uh, or have somebody Mm -hmm. ask you, what does it feel like to be you when this happens, that it's it's a tonic. It really is. Well, and from neuroscience, so again, our science is improving. Or, or continuing to develop, I know that now if I continue to ask myself that question, I start to create neural pathways, and those habits happen in part because I'm saying it out loud. Right. And that I have a routine that is consistent. When these things happen, I ask myself the question. Or before I go into a tough situation, I ask myself that question. And I prepare myself physiologically for that interaction. Exactly. Exactly. This is so exciting when you when you start thinking about this. Um, you know, it's it's not much different than the uh, daily affirmations mm-hmm. uh, that uh, people have prescribed to help others with uh, self confidence or you know whatever it might be. It's so it's you know not certainly not necessarily original thinking here, but uh, those work. And uh, you know when when you think about the fact of you know if you had dads like you and I did. Uh, nothing felt better than having my dad say, man, you did a good job. Yeah, oh. still does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and I've had a few years on the planet now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so imagine how that, you know, in turn yeah, can feels... be processed through in your leadership style mm-hmm. uh, to make yourself a, an even more effective leader. So let's get a break on that. And then when we come back, I want to hear more about how you raise money. So we've talked a lot about the people side, uh, which uh, for anyone who knows me knows that's my passion, but you can't scale businesses without cash. That's true. (laughs) So this is Maureen Metcalf and Hugh Cathy, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. We'll be right back. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel, and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles. What they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back. This is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, Hugh Cathy and Maureen Metcalf. So we've been talking a lot about leadership. Let's shift a bit to how do you raise money and how do you think about money as the one of the key fuels to running a business? It's, um, it's interesting because it's going to sound like I am forgetting the first things that we've been mm-hmm, talking mm-hmm. about as I start talking about money. Um, the 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 essence of it, uh, and there's some things that you learn just by knocking around the business world mm-hmm. for for years and years. And that's why people pay you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and the so the first thing is is to really understand what the business really does. Mm-hmm. And we're all familiar with the fact that many people say Walmart is not a retailer; they're a distribution mm-hmm. company. That's what they do extraordinarily well. And retailing just happens to be the end result mm-hmm. of being a phenomenal distribution mm-hmm. company. So that's very much the way I start looking at a business right off because that's going to become the essence of my presentation to a private equity group or investor, potential investor uh, in whatever business mm-hmm. I'm representing. Mm-hmm. And many times the leader of the business, the CEO of the business that I'm, uh, who is my client, does not understand what that core thing is. And it requires somebody on the outside mm-hmm. looking at it mm-hmm. to say, well, you know what you're really doing here is, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. might be. And so, so that's my first step is to really understand 
what is the fundamental element of the business. And it, and again, it's seldom what the CEO thinks it is mm-hmm. exactly. And once I understand that, then I start to translate that first mentally, then by drawing and research and, and getting up on the whiteboard in my office and because that's how I think. I, mm-hmm. I have to see stuff up on the wall for me mm-hmm. to think this through. And it allows me to see who would be interested in making money on this core value, this core functionality that my client's company has. Um, when I say who would be interested in making money, who would write the biggest check to be part of this? Mm-hmm. And the person who's going to write the biggest check is the person who benefits the most. Mm-hmm. So, so just understanding the value proposition. It, it, just it, is not the right word. You you're understanding and leveraging the value proposition. Yeah, yeah, and and the key operative word there is is understanding because uh, you and I have both seen this. You know, somebody creates uh, you know a, a new traveling coffee mug, and you know they think that the value is that you know the lid on it opens easily, and of course we see that. You know, it actually fits into cup holders better, and <laughs> and uh, so so, and that's a silly example, but but it's having driven with a cup in my lap <laughs> in a skirt, it, fitting in a cup holder is really a differentiator. So um, so finding that that person who benefits the most. So uh, so I'm taking this my client's company, and I'm talking to let's say a, a, a private investor, and I have to understand what that private investor's goals are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, t- there's always a financial goal in that they are looking for a five times return on their invested capital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that gives me a benchmark. But you also, back to our leadership thing, I'm assuming you also want to know what they value. What the, what my, oh, what, what the what, uh, investor yeah, values. Yeah. I do, but they, they're going to bet on the leadership team if it's in the race they like. If it's okay. not in the race they like, they're not going to invest. And that's what I meant by what they value. Yes. So if I value healthcare, it doesn't matter what kind of cups you bring. Exactly. Me. Exactly. And so um, just, you know, the network that I've built over the years are, you know, I know who healthcare investors are. I know who uh, retail investors are to a certain degree. I know who IT investors are. I know who software investors are. I know what kind of deals they... leadership investors? <laughs> well, you know... That, <laughs> not so many. <laughs> there, there's, there's... Yeah, you're right. There's not many people to tell me, yeah, you know, what I really want is, you know... Leadership talk show. <laughs> it's the second thing, though. Well, if we can accomplish that kind of product or service value mm-hmm. yeah. and then show them how do they... Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they make money at it? So, and, and the words "making money" are, are not dirty words, you know. Um, if I've got capital, I've made money. That's right. Or I inherited it. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Which is much easier. So and I want to keep it mostly. <laughs> <coughs> so when I've identified an investor for a particular company, let's uh, just as an example, let's just say it's a software company, and the. Um, uh, then I, I then go to the investor and I say, uh, euphemistically, I'm saying, mm-hmm. uh, I know that you like to invest in software companies. I know that you like to achieve a 5x or five times return on your invested capital mm-hmm. over three years or four years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I know. And then I lay out for them 
how that would work. You put the money in, the money will be used for expanding the product or more typically sales and marketing. In other words, mm -hmm. growing my client's company mm -hmm. bigger, faster, so that at some point in the future, another company will want to come and buy my client's company and then my investor in my client's mm -hmm. company achieves their return, my CEO achieves a return, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that ultimate buyer is happy. So you spend your time looking for companies that want an exit, That's not correct. lifestyle companies. That's correct. That's correct. Now, as you do, I spend lots of time just talking to people trying to help. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so I have friends who have lifestyle companies. And um, last night, I uh, spent two hours uh, with a good friend who has a, a great lifestyle company, just talking through, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And that's just, you know, I've never been a, met a business model I didn't like. <laughs> so that kind of feeds mm -hmm. my insatiable curiosity about businesses to help those lifestyle businesses. But, but you're right. Investors are not looking for that. So if I'm trying to grow a company, what would you advise that I should have in place before I ever pick up the phone to call you? Because you're going to return my call, and if I don't have my act together, <laughs> there may not be another one. What I often hear uh, in that first call is I need to raise, um, depending on the size of the company, uh, I need to raise $5 million. And so my next question is, what are you going to spend the $5 million on to create additional value in your company? Mm. Well, I'm going to spend half of it on the product and half of it on sales and marketing. And I go, great, give me the formula of translating half of that investment, that $5 million, into increased sales and marketing. He said, well, you, know, you hire people. <laughs> and, and that's, seriously, that's usually what I hear. And I say, well, that's not a formula, you know. That's just a statement and a standalone. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So what I help them do uh, is understand how they're going to deploy that capital. Okay. They, they seldom have that in place, okay. that, I, that knowledge in place. Mm -hmm. What they have to have is they have to have a real business. So in other words, they have to be generating revenue from the sale of their product to, or service mm -hmm. to buyers of those products mm -hmm. and services. And if they have that and they have an interest in some sort of an exit or supreme liquidity mm -hmm. event, then I'm interested. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing that they have to have is I have to like them because I just simply do not it's work. It's too darn hard. It's, yeah, it's too darn hard to work for people I don't like. You've done it. I've done it. And I swear I'm never <laughs> going to do it again. <laughs> and now you get to choose. Yeah, Exactly. And so I'm assuming in that I like them is I'm evaluating the quality of leadership. Exactly. It's it's not necessarily would I go have a beer with them. Correct. But Correct. the values, their principles, the – Yeah. And you can usually find that out pretty quick if you start asking them to talk about their people in the organization. Mm. Right, right okay. away you'll – uh, and it's little things like, uh, well, I've got Bob and Frank and Mary in the sales group, and they're mm -hmm. doing uh, ABCD. Uh, Bob is married, and his kids are going to OSU. If the oh. leader, if the leader's that engaged with his people, there's probably a good chance that the that that CEO's leadership qualities are finely tuned enough for me to get engaged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If he says, well, I've, yeah, I've got these bozos in the shipping department, boom, done. We, yeah, we're done. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Anybody that, that doesn't value and respect the people that work for them, I have no interest in. 
Interesting. And there's there's plenty of other people that do what I do that will, will mm-hmm. help them. So it's not like I'm the only place for them to go. It is interesting, and I, I think this often. People say things that sink them, and they have no idea what they've just done or yeah. said. And it's not your place to give them that feedback because yeah. they're probably not going to listen. Right. But then they're surprised at the end of the day at how unfair the world is. That's true. <laughs> that is so true. Um, you're right. I typically am not going to tell them that that's the thing that sunk them because, um, you know, it's just kind of not, not my place. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really not asking for that. And and they're not going to ch- change. Ch- yeah, yeah. I shouldn't. Uh, that's probably a harsh statement to say they're not going to change. I, Unless like you're that. the last on the list of 25 people they've called, then no, they may no, change. No, but if you're their first call, they're not. Yeah. Most likely, they're not. Yeah. Which kind of raises an interesting point when you think about it is how do you evolve somebody? You know, because I've talked about the fact that I'm looking for those core elements mm-hmm. of leadership to be there when I walk in the door. Yeah. What if they're not there? Well, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a quick transition. No. You know, they still need to want to change. So I I am occasionally working with people who have been sentenced to coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And even those who have been um, told they're going to work with me, in some cases, they really want to change. They just didn't know how to do it. And they didn't know how to go about even thinking about how to do it. Mm -hmm. But there are others who they're going to do what they do and – Working with me is a waste of their time because mm-hmm. they're they're not going to be any different at the end. But there are – just like there are processes for other things, like your the person who advises you, mm-hmm. the, diagnosing first um, because I'm so data-focused. I want to see 360 assessments and I want them to see in the words of the people who work with them where does their perception of themselves differ from their – the perception other people have. And in some cases, just their sensing mechanism is off. Mm-hmm. In other cases, they know they're dopes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And they don't care. Yeah. yeah. Or they really think the world is unsafe and bad and they're surrounded by stupid people. And if only they could find that mystery website <clears throat> that serves up good people. Yeah. Because they only get bad ones. You know, I, I, you're, you're making me think of uh, – uh, TV's Dr. Phil, mm-hmm. and one of the comments um, that I've heard him say when somebody has expressed maybe what you just expressed, you know, I can't find good people, uh, you know, can't find that website that magically mm-hmm. transforms things. And, and Dr. Phil says, so, so how's that working for you? <laughs> and and I use that all, all the time. Because it is often us. Yes. And so back to what we started with at the beginning, I think, Self-awareness is just so foundational without recognizing my role in any part of the business. I am likely to misjudge because I can't correct you enough to fix my deficiencies. (laughs) As much as I've tried to correct the people around me, there's a day that I have to look in the mirror Mm -hmm. and that's a tough day. Yeah. For clients who haven't done that before, who haven't gotten the honest feedback that you really, you're hard to work for. We appreciate your dedication to the product, um, that you work hard. But there were some other behaviors often that are just belittling, demeaning, cause me to be disengaged depending on who I am and what I value. 
You know, and what's sad is that the symptoms of that are usually no more complex than lots of turnover mm -hmm. in yeah. the employee base. Yeah, so I'll know if I'm the problem if people don't stay. That's right. And interestingly, we, we said this before the last break, people don't stay when we, we are perceived as unkind, uncaring, self-serving. Yeah. It's not that I make the tough calls that cause people to leave. And Mike has told a story repeatedly about um, a company shrinking uh, during 2008 because of access to financial capital and that people weren't quitting. They stayed because of the man he is, mm -hmm. even though their jobs were at risk. That's right. And at, in that time, technology people, I'm assuming, could find other jobs. Mm -hmm. But dedication to that leader. So let's wrap up on that. Um, one, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Oh, I've enjoyed it very much. Yeah, one of the things that I learned in teaching grad students was so often we don't have access to this kind of open conversation with senior executives. We know who, we know how to pick them out of a lineup. We could identify them on LinkedIn and follow them, but we can't really hear who they are and what they stand for. So I think it's really helpful for people to, to listen to your insights that you do focus on development on a regular basis. You sharpen your saw, that you ask the question how does it feel to be you when something happens? These, these are insights that just we don't read about, we don't talk about. When you're in asking somebody what their value proposition in, is, they're, they're probably not thinking he's saying, I wonder how that feels. Right. <laughs> they're, they're thinking, I better come up with a value proposition in quick. All right. <laughs> and they're not thinking about when I'm a jerk. People are going to walk away. Right. My talent's going to walk away. My funding's going to walk away. I may not even – probably I don't perceive myself as a jerk or I wouldn't be doing that. I'm just not aware. So, so the importance of not only sharpening my saw as running an organization but as the person who is the leader of the organization, what does leadership saw sharpening look like? Yeah. You know, it, it kind of goes back to one of Covey's other – uh, uh, bullets in that book, and that is seek first to understand, mm -hmm. then be understood. Mm -hmm. And it all begins with you. It's a great wrap-up. So please, I hope you have heard something from Hugh and I today that was useful. Try it out, and give us feedback. Info at Metcalf-Associates.com. I would love to hear what you think, uh, what you're trying. If you have questions, uh, we'll read them on the air. Thank you for joining us. Have a good day. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 